Our reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 42, beginning at verse 1. The servant of the Lord. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. This is the word of the Lord. Well, to bring us up to date, just in case you weren't here uh, last week, um, Paddy very helpfully looked at the Passover meal. We are uh, in the period of Lent, so we're looking at um, the imagery around the communion table. The fact that the bread is brought, it is blessed, it is broken, and it is given in this meal. Because this is the point where Jesus is traveling. The uh, period of Lent, the 40 days, mimics the 40 days that Jesus spent in the uh, wilderness being tempted by the devil. And it's a time of reflection, a time when we stand back and think again uh, about our lives. And we think about how, uh, and certainly last week we were looking at people who were lost but were blessed. We looked at the parable of the prodigal son and uh, thought again actually how both of those sons were lost. But the father welcomed them both back in. One returning to the family one who thought he was part of the family but was on the edge and the father wanted him to come in and enjoy what was already his. Lent is that time of year when we have a reset. We press the factory reset button and we think again. I've been trying that this week with the ring doorbell on the church. Oh my word. It has taken so long, but it is now charged and operational. I can now tell every time a cat goes by. And it rings me to tell me, bless, but at least it's working. But sometimes that's what we need to do. We need to press the reset button, and Lent is about that. 
Jesus in the wilderness is being tested physically, mentally and spiritually. And not surprising, after 40 days of fasting, the Bible says he was hungry. And it's at that point, at his lowest ebb, the devil comes and tries to tempt him. And there is an attempt to break Jesus. That's why I used that psalm right at the beginning, Psalm 32. Because it is brutally honest. This is the psalmist David who has struggled with his own uh, sins. And as I said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Yet there is hope. Because blessed is the person who admits their sin. When we've done something wrong, do you get that experience? You've done something wrong and you've sensed that guilt and that shame within. And because we sense that guilt and shame, we don't want to say anything about it. So we don't say anything. And the truth gnaws away inside. And it eats away. And it makes us feel worse than it did before. Until we reach the point when our outward behaviour, our countenance, portrays the very disturbance which is within. We can't hold it in any longer. And we need to be open. There's an honesty in this psalm, I think, which God knows all about. We can't pretend before God. We're in the glare of the light of Christ. And the amazing thing is that when you're in a strong light, you get one of these modern... Have you seen those bikes coming down the road now? Their lights are brighter than a car light. I don't know how they've done it, but it's amazing. But in it, you get... The front of you turns white. And behind you is there is enormous dark shadow. And it's a, we feel a bit like that when our sin is presented before God. We feel, oh my word, I'm so exposed. I want to hide in the shadows. My sin is so evident. But the beauty of the light of Christ is that it casts no shadow. Because just as the light of Christ is upon us, so there is the support, the protection, and the love of God that offers us uh, to, to hide our weakness, providing strength and support. And so just like the story last week, we need to know that we are blessed even in the strength of that light. And I can tell you, it's a mucky business. It's a mucky business coming clean. We have a, um, a shower on the ground floor of our house where we wash the dog. Uh, and if you've been out walking recently, you will know that every path is absolutely three feet underwater or it's just caked in mud. It's revolting. Dogs don't seem to know what is dry land and what is mud, sadly. So we wash him every time he comes back in. And not surprisingly, the drain isn't working quite as well as it was. 
Then it became a little puddle a little while ago. And then as you walked into our shower room, you were actually needing Wellington boots. And I was forced. I think it might have been raining at the time, actually. But I went outside and I tried everywhere to find what the problem was until behind a bush... Right next to the house, I found a drain which I didn't even know existed. And I cleared it. And it's the most satisfying sound <laughs> when water finally finds its way down the drain with a gurgle and a glug. But you need to expose things, don't you? You need to get dirt. The dirt needs to come out. I can use you an, another plumbing example from this week. We've listened to a drip in our house. It was a clicking, really, for about a week, maybe 10 days. And we had no idea what it was until on the ceiling, the ceiling suddenly started going a funny shade of brown. And we thought there may be a drip there. Well, then the paint started bubbling, and then part of the ceiling fell out. So we could see where the water was coming from then, but we needed help. We needed someone to come in and actually expose it and repair it. And to me, that was a sign of my life. I'd try to cover things up, but the truth will out, and the truth will come out. And at that point, I need to expose, I need to be honest, and I need to say I'm broken. And then I can have someone to come in and repair it. God is not about redecorating. He's not going to paint over the stain. He wants redemption. And redemption is going to the root of the problem. And God provides the solution, which is why we read Isaiah 42. It's the first of the servant songs. This is the servant of God who is chosen and brings justice. He's calm and protective. He's not going to break the bruised reed or snuff out the smouldering wick. And at first it seems as though the, the servant is Israel, the nation of Israel. But as you read through, it becomes more and more apparent that this is a, this is a person that this passage is talking about. A person who's going to save the people from themselves, bring in a new order or reorder their brokenness and turn it into something useful and of beauty. The servant is a creator, a recreator, a sustainer of life, a light to the path, bringing beauty to the broken. And I'm sure you know the uh, the good, uh, fabulous illustration, actually, of the Japanese pottery called kintsugi. It's uh, where the Japanese make beautiful pottery, but sometimes it gets broken. Hey, it happens. And they then repair it with a thin vein of gold sticking together the bits of pottery. And the amazing thing is that those kintsugi pots are usually worth more and are of more beauty than the original article. Now, is that not an illustration of our Christian life? That we are broken. That we are poor and impoverished of spirit. 
And God comes in and refashions us, remakes us, puts us back together again, and we are more beautiful and more valuable than we were before because God is in our life. Lent for us is that period. It's a period when we might deny something, uh, we might deny a practicality or a luxury, whatever it is, but the purpose of Lent is to focus, to focus on God, because we move inexorably towards Easter. And the purpose of God is going to be revealed at that point. He's not going to damage us. He's not going to break the bruised reed. He knows that we're broken. He's not going to snuff out the smouldering wick. In those days, those things would have been thrown away. But God protects them. Instead, in faithfulness, he brings forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged. Jesus comes with a promise. Did we see the phrases that it used to be a light for the Gentiles? The Gentiles at that time were outside the nation. They were outside of membership. They did not belong. And there is the servant bringing them in to the family. The servant is then going to open the eyes of the blind. Open those eyes that can't see clearly. Our eyes. And during Lent, the more we focus, the more we will see. He will be a light. And a light that floods into every part that we may see God's love. Even in the dungeons, the very depths where everything is locked away and they used to live in darkness and squalor, the light will come in and penetrate and there will be love and a new beginning. See, the illustration of the Passover meal is that out of something desperate, something new would come. And Jesus is the same at the Last Supper. He arranges his disciples. He takes the bread and blesses it. This is my body. This is my body and it's blessed. You take it, I will bless you. But it's one loaf. And what can you do with one loaf between so many? You break it. And then the broken loaf has enough for every single person. And that's what Jesus is offering for us. He comes to be broken for the broken. That the broken may be redeemed. There's that beautiful circular story, is it not? That the perfect Son of God comes to be broken for the broken, that they may become perfect for themselves. Healed once again. And the very fact that it's broken means that there's enough for everyone. And so it's so important for us to come in our brokenness with hands open because the only way you'll get the bread is if you open your hands and take it we had a communion here at 8 o'clock 
It would have been pretty rubbish, actually, if I'd held the wafer for them and they just look at it. You have to put your hands out. You have to take it. And that's the same with God. God is there. But in our brokenness, we have to be broken before him, admitting that for ourselves with hands open, wanting to be fed, wanting to be filled. And that's why we say the confession together. Because not only individually, but together, we let God down. And there is a real strength in coming together, wherever we are, whether we're here or whether we're at home, it doesn't matter. We can say the confession together because we have let God down and because we come again with hands open, wanting the forgiveness of God and the forgiveness that is on offer for us. Let's just be quiet for a moment, shall we? And then we will indeed say the confession together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen.